You think you're first Some surgeon scalpel stealing nurse Let others feel the hurt When you're the driver of the hearse So you'll feel bad but they'll feel worse And without you What would the doctor be? I'm watching you But not quite like before I will find you It's my pleasure now to welcome singer, songwriter, artist Don Graham to the podcast. Don is part of a very special triple CD collection called Tribute to a Song Poet, Songs of Eric Anderson. Eric, of course, is a folk music legend, and we'll find out how Don is connected to Eric and how Don got to be a part of this great collection. We're going to hear the song, which is called Hustler which is an Eric Anderson song that Don has on this uh, great collection. We'll play that during the show. We'll get into many other things here as I talk to my buddy, Don Graham. Hey, Don. Hey, Davey. How are you? I'm doing just wonderful. Always a pleasure to get to chat with you, either in person or uh, via the interweb this way. And you as well. We, we go back a long way, man. We do. I think we might be closing in on 10 years, 8 to 10 years. Yeah, I think it's, yeah it's closer to 11, I think. Could oh, be 11. 12. Actually, it's 12 years. 12 years. 2010, I think we started. Wow. Wow. There you go, man. Uh, time flies when you're having a blast, and it's always fun hanging around you, Don. You too, bud. Yeah. Um, this is this is awesome. We're also going to talk about the producer of this song, your great friend, great friend of mine as well. We lost him recently, John Dawson. Yeah, that's it's uh yeah. He, he did a great job on this. But the way it all started, uh when I I got a guitar during the great folk scare and um, I was learning folk songs and I got a guitar for the same reason every guy did back then was to meet girls. <laughs> but I was learning songs like Froggy One Accordion and Camp Town Races because that was the folk songs of the day. And I wasn't meeting a lot of girls with that. <laughs> so somebody said, you got to get this album. It's called About Changes and Things by a guy named Eric Anderson. Now I heard of Eric because Eric wrote a song that's kind of a civil rights uh, classic called Take Off Your Thirsty Boots. And there's some historians that say it's as important as blowing in the wind. So I bought it, and that's, I knew that song was on that, but there were some love songs on it I'd never heard. Like, I never heard one guy on a guitar doing this. He had songs like, uh, Close the Door Lightly When You Go and Come to My Bedside, My Darling. And this was one guy and one guitar. I thought, well, shoot, I can play these. These are, and he used cowboy chords that I could, that I knew. So it was really? kind of cool. <laughs> so, all of a sudden, I had I had a, a reason to, to learn these songs, and I started writing my own songs because of yeah. Eric. And it was really kind of a neat. Uh, he was my north star. He's the reason I ended up doing what I'm doing. And then we ended up meeting and becoming friend. Um, I can't remember whether we were in Montreal at Folk Alliance or was here when I opened for him at Hughes Room. And I just happened to mention to him. I said I used to do a song of yours called "The Hustler." And he went, wow, he said, that's, he said, I don't even do that song anymore because it's nine verses and four courses. It's, it's, like, it's like the Ben-Hur of songs. It just goes on and on. <laughs> and I said, I used to do it at frat houses because if I played at frat houses, they didn't care what I played as long as I was making noise. So I could double that. I had 18 verses and eight choruses. I could do half a set with one song. So I mentioned to him that I used to do it. And he said, oh, that, and, but I never thought anything of it. And about a year later, he called me and he said, hey, did you ever... Um, record the hustler i said no i never got around to that and he said well that's too bad he said they're doing a a cd for a, a, a tribute with uh my songs done by other artists he said, i'd love to have you on there i got my friends uh, linda ronstad's on it uh 
Mary Chapin Carpenter, Janice Ian, Albert Lee, uh, Bob Dylan's got a song on it, kind of a lot. So I thought, well, shoot, leave that with me, will you? So anyway, <laughs> this is this is where Johnny comes in. John and I yeah. were, um, we, I don't know where we were playing. I think it was one of your things, one of your moonshine events. And we were rehearsing, and, and I said, uh, man, I said, I, gotta, I, I can't get in studios. It was during COVID, and there's no studios open. Nobody will book time. He said, what do you have to do? I said, I got a song for Eric. He said, well, why don't you send me what you have with your voice and guitar, see what I can do in my little studio. So I did, and he sent me back this track that was like him and a guitar and a bass, and, and he added my guitar on. I said, well, that sounds pretty good. So... <laughs> I put a vocal on it yep. and started sounding even better. And then he said, okay, hang on a second. A couple of days later, he sent me back. He had put on a banjo and a mandolin and he sent, sent it back to me again. I said, it's just starting to sound like a record. So then he said, well, don't send it to Eric yet. Wait till I uh, add some background vocals in the chorus. So he did. And I sent it down to Eric and Eric lives in Holland in the Netherlands. So I sent it to Eric. And he said, wow, he said, I love it. He said, uh, just mix your vocal up a little bit higher. And I think we, we've got something. So we did. And then he said, okay, send it down to Steve Adabo in New York. And Steve's mastering the, the album. Now, Steve uh, has mastered and mixed more Bob Dylan songs than anybody in the world. That's, that's what he does. Mm -hmm. So I'm getting like, oh, Steve's going to hear this and go, well, I can't use this. And then John called me. He said, man, he said, I didn't know who Eric Anderson was until I Googled him and I watched the Song Poet movie. He said, this guy's a big star. <laughs> so I would have been too intimidated to do yeah, it. Exactly. And he said, now I just Googled Steve Adabo. He's won Grammys. And he's, he said, you think he's going to like it? I said, I don't know. I hope so. And then I got an email from Steve. And I said, oh, this is probably going to be a rejection. But Steve said, uh, I love it. And I mastered and put it on the album. John must have felt amazing. And actually, I know he did because you told me this. And I'm sure I heard it from him, just how proud he was of oh. uh, producing this and having this on the collection. Oh, he, he was over the moon. And he was, uh, you see, John, John, you, you went to that, uh, that celebration of his life that we went to. Yeah. And uh, John played with everybody and he knew everybody, but he never really had anything on a record. That's a shame. Well, he does now. Yeah. Yeah. Now he does, and and he's 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 when like, I just I got I just got the album actually from New York. They sent it up to me. It's listed on the credits as uh, Don Graham vocals and guitar, and then it says John Dawson. Oh, because they said they said you need to send us the credits. Send us the guys in the band. So I, I said okay. The guys in the band are John Dawson on guitar, John Boss, John Dawson on banjo, John Dawson on mandolin, John Dawson on bass. It's all John. <laughs> So wow. on the credits it says John on, on on all those instruments and then produced by John Dawson. So I'm I'm over the moon with that. And then when when I got the album and looked at where we are, we're we're the third song on the third disc, and the first song is Linda Ronstadt doing a sweet song of Eric's Colo, and playing on that song are Glenn Fry and Don Henley, <laughs> and singing backgrounds are, are Glenn and Don too. And those were two of that's John one of John's favorite bands was the Eagles. Yeah. So he would just be flying if he saw this now. I'm I'm sure oh. he is. I'm sure he's looking at it now. But he's uh, looking just, down, and he is proud. And that celebration for his life at the edge in Ajax was uh, was quite incredible. Oh, just a testimony quite... to anyone who didn't know what he was about as a human being. Um, he just had to be there. Everybody well, didn't I met, know him anyway. I but him, testimony I, what, to his I, life. I met him at your at your uh, 
songwriter around. He yeah, was playing with, I think it was Susie Curry he was playing with. Yeah, Susie Curry. Yep. And we hit it off right away. I remember telling him, I, I said, you must be making some money now, Johnny. said, yeah. And I said, well, maybe she should get some new britches because his knees are sticking out of his jeans. <laughs> so I called him britches from then on. I said, listen, if you ever need a guitar player, call me. So the next day I called him, and uh, that's how we ended up. But I, I, when I, you know, when he, when he, I didn't even know he was sick. And as you know, I, I went through this, this cancer thing last year, and John was so amazing. With like, I had uh, I had to go to the hospital five days a week for these radiation treatments, yeah. and three days a week I had rides, and the other two days I didn't. And John was there every time I needed something. He was like, "Okay, just give me ten minutes," and he called me back. And go, "Yep, I can move some stuff around." And so when I found out he was sick, I felt so bad because I couldn't do anything for him. But I didn't know; nobody knew. Mm-hmm. You see, I, we, the other thing about the Eric thing was. Um, Eric was doing a tour of the Northeast and one of the gigs was in Syracuse, which is right across the lake here. So I told Eric, I said, well, maybe John, I'll come down to Syracuse and see you. And he said, well, if you do, I'll get you up on stage and you guys can do the hustler at the concert. I said, wow, that's, that would be amazing. So I called John and didn't get an answer. And he texted me right back saying, so my daughter, uh, we'll chat tomorrow. I said, okay, tomorrow came and went, I still didn't hear from him. So I sent him another text and no answer and finally i said i didn't want to uh tell him on the phone about the, the syracuse gig i wanted to talk to him so i said john you need to talk i need to talk to you i got some exciting news and all he sent back was apologies and some hands clapping and some hands praying i won't you got nothing to apologize for and then i think it was the next morning um my phone rang and it was his friend sandy gersten you know sandy yeah absolutely and she said listen she said uh John's in the hospital. I went, oh, shoot, where? She said, no, you, you can't see him. I said, well, what's going on? She said, he has cancer. I went, oh, shoot. I said, well, he'll be okay, because he came with me to all my treatments. I said, they, they, she said, no. She said, uh, he's not going to make it. And I went, come on. John's a fighter. He's going to make it. And then that night, I was at a Spoons concert in Burlington, and I was backstage and right after sound check. I think the show was at 8, and about 7.30, my phone rang. I wasn't going to answer it. I saw it was Sandy. I went, well, I better answer this. So I answered it, and she was crying, and she said, John's gone. I went, oh, that, that's just not possible. But he passed away that night. Yeah. Wow. I didn't even know he was sick, man. Nobody knew. No. Nobody knew. It was a, it was a shock. I mean, once news oh, got yeah. out, uh, heartbreaking, to say the least. Well, the last gig we did was in Burlington at the uh, the block, and you were there, actually. I was there. Yeah, you saw us. Yeah, Dwayne and... Piper and I were there checking you guys out. It was a great show. Um, I'd seen you guys perform together before, and I, what I loved is the camaraderie, the friendship, the comedy, and oh, and yeah, the range of songs you both can do, and, and focusing on John for a moment, just that he could do Keith Urban oh. to the Eagles oh. to everything and he he did great on all the songs what a great voice what a great performer and if you remember that night see they had us booked there from eight to eleven i think it was yeah it was three hours eight to eleven yeah so and the guy wanted two sets i said to john how do we do two sets in three hours can't unless you take an hour-long break so john (laughs) said well i would just play it by you he said you sing some i'll sing some we'll take requests so when we got there there was like six people yeah six girls and you and Dwayne Piper, I think, was there. Yeah, yeah, Dwayne. So I said, well, let's just keep playing. So before we knew it, we looked at the time, and, and it was 10 o'clock. I said, well, we've been up here for two hours. And John said, well, if we take a break, these girls are going to go home. 
So let's just keep going. So we played straight through for th- hours from 8 to 11. Three hours. And we did. We did Lightfoot. We did. Uh, we, just, we just had fun. Yeah. But my point is, he wasn't sick. Yeah. No, he looked great. He was great. fine that night. I mean, he had energy. Great energy. Yeah. Yeah. Un- unbelievable. No, it you was know. just a shock. I, I wasn't. Um, I wasn't. And. and his girlfriend Wendy had moved in just down the street from me over on Hubbard. So whenever I went to the beach, I could I would see John or I'd see Wendy. So after he passed, I'd walk down there and I'd still see him. And I was so used to seeing him walking down there or driving up in his truck. And yeah, it just, it just, it, it just, uh, the shock of it was amazing. It, I, I couldn't believe it. But anyway, but on a positive note, if he, if he, if he was here to see this album, he would be over the moon and it could get nominated for a Grammy next year because it's a compilation album. And yeah, wow. I mean, if you think about it, there's 42 songs, there's only one repeat. There's uh, Rick Danko did blue river and somebody else did blue river. Okay. So there's 41 original songs. Now you got to have quite a catalog to have 41 songs recorded. <laughs> you sure do. You know, it's oh. uh, so John would just be over the moon. He'd be, uh, and I think he, I think he misunderstood me when I said because they said please don't talk about it too much, don't go, you know. But we we, we could tell people they just didn't want to uh, sing the song live or anything like that. Sure. So he, everybody that said, yeah, John said it's a big secret. I can't say anything. Oh, he could have said something. <laughs> he just couldn't get into too much detail about it. But he sounded so good on the song. And he just, you know, and it's a hard song, man. It's like I don't think honestly, Dave. I don't think anybody else. Could have recorded it the way he recorded it for me. Oh, you can try to run me down, but you can't drive me underground. When you're not there, I'll be around. To haunt you, I won't make a sound. To track you, I don't need a hound. You think you're lost, I got you found. You're surrounded, though you think that they can't see. And your castle walls, they all fall. You'll be surprised at all and all. Nobody really cares at all. You won't believe the beggar's gall that can bite your heels when you crawl. The pain can come from low so small. Ignore you when you kick the stall. And go cry wolf, or better you should scream. Though you're not on top, you think you're first. Some surgeon scalpel steal a nurse. Let others feel the hurt when you're the driver of the hearse. So you'll feel bad, but they'll feel worse. And without you, what would the doctor be? I'm watching you, but not quite like before. I will find you, you're the one I'm looking for. And when it's over, don't say sorry A brushless painter running down into the night to paint the town while putting everybody on. Blowing smoke rings for the clowns, you brag of those you've been around. They listen to your silly sounds, disciples pass your bread around. While the cross is hidden in your gown, they think that they're on holy ground. Not knowing Judas watches from a tree. While posing as a saint of need, Godfather to the one who's weak, by using words like sad defeat, you laugh but you got losing beat. 
The girls all giggle at your feet The squealing people that you meet You might get made but be discreet Don't take your mask off, trick or treat As you get the stars down on their knees Do you really think you got fortune beat? Believing in the magic noose The trips, the egg, the golden goose With a you can never lose While fairy tales are still the truth But don't let go, hey, don't let loose For the goose is flapping on the roof And without its wings, how can you be free? I'm watching you, but not quite like before Hey, hey, you're the one I'm looking for When it's over, don't say sorry Rides along, protecting those who don't belong in a land where there's no right or wrong. As Tonto, you just load his gun for killing outlaws one by one, shooting in laws just for fun while the jungle laws are on the run. Step out before you get stepped on. You say this with your war paint on, afraid if you're in the dark too long. Cause you know the jungle's no place for the meek. You say life is absurdity, a carnival for melodies. You are the big time bitterly, set the stage so faithfully. The hawker for Lord Mystery, while marching so religiously. It's the army that has paid to see the choir boy of reality. Laugh at all authority, you smile oh so cynically. The sole possessor of his key But it's sad to know That's all you'll ever be Though you said keep on the sunny side That life is just a rainbow ride A silver studded surfboard glide On the line of waves To keep you high Don't hit the moon If you fly too wide It'll bring you down below the tide Where no one keeps their tears inside The waters hide them if you cry For in the waves there are no mysteries And I'm watching you But not quite like before I will find you And when it's over, don't say sorry anymore. Let's talk about uh, how you got to know your hero, Don, the the fellow, the folk legend that inspired you back in the day, Eric Anderson, and how you eventually got to know him and become a friend. That's that doesn't happen all the time. No, well, I, I, I. believe I met Eric way, way back in his coffee out days. He, he doesn't remember and I don't really remember, but then we hooked up again. Um, I interviewed him for Cashbox magazine. I called him in Holland and uh, then we just became really good friends and talked all the time. And then I saw McHugh's room a few times and then we were in Montreal at Folk Alliance and, oh, that was really fun. We went to, uh, he was good friends with Leonard Cohen. Oh, so amazing. We went to, Leonard had already passed away. So we went to uh, one of Leonard's favorite restaurants. It was a Portuguese restaurant. We went there. Was, I remember it was February 14th because it was Eric's birthday. And it was like one of those freak snowstorms in Montreal. There was like three feet of snow. And we had to, the, the cab couldn't get up the road to this little restaurant. And we just had a ball that night. And 
talked all about uh, the old days and the folk things. He he started off way way back in the in the, the Greenwich Village days with Bob Dylan and uh, mm-hmm. uh, Freddie Neal and all those 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 people. So he he's he's been around forever. Like if you watch the song poet, I, I, I recommend to anybody if you get a chance yeah. to watch the movie The Song Poet. I mean Brian Epstein signed him to a management contract. And then he passed him. Yeah, Brian Epstein was, you know, Brian Epstein. I remember watching an interview with Brian Epstein when he said, the next craze is going to be folk. Brian, and, and Brian was with. Probably why he signed, he signed Eric. Or he wanted and Brian to was connected with the Beatles. Beatles, right? He, yeah, he was the Beatles manager. I mean, yeah. this is a guy, he was a star maker. So but he passed Eric, away. Brian, Brian passed away before he could work with Eric. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You but, know, I, I, I've seen the song poet. You sent it to me again recently, the, P, the link to PBS, but I saw it on PBS, I don't know, a year or two ago. I remember mentioning it to you. It came up in conversation or while I was watching it and I really enjoyed it. It's great. It covers Eric's career so well. And I was loving the music and uh, enjoying the stories. Yeah, well, he doesn't call himself a folk singer. He's, he's not a, he doesn't, he said a real folk singer. He said, actually, Lou Reed was more of a folk singer than Pete Seeger because folk singers sing songs of the, the people and that that's where the word came, came from. So he doesn't consider himself a folk singer per se. He just, uh, he's a great poet. He's, uh, he's just a really, really fun guy to talk to. He's deep, very, very deep. And him, uh, him and John finally got to meet each other too because he was playing at the, the use room up on Dundas. Right, and we went up there, and so John got to meet Eric, and he got to meet Eric's wife Inga, who was singing with him, and he got to meet Steve Adabo. Him and Steve got to talking about guitars, and then you know the stuff they were talking about their telecasters is above my pay grade. I had no idea what they were talking about. <laughs> yeah, so he got to it, the, the thing is, he, John got to meet everybody, and wow. they all liked him, and they all thought what a great, what a great, great guy. So yeah. it's really sad, and. Uh, I don't understand it at all. I still don't understand it. But I'm so happy. I'm going to meet up with his son Philip because I got a, I got an extra CD sent for him. Oh, great! That now uh, from New York. So I'm going to, so I'm going to give him the copy of the CD and it's a little Eric Anderson guitar pick that they included that he's going to give to John. Wow. So I'll give it to Philip and and you know what? He's got a legacy now, man. It's it's going to yeah. say his name's all over it. So, you know, and, and his other legacy, as we mentioned at that celebration, but even beyond that celebration of his life, but just anybody who remembers him now, as I do, meeting him at the Moonshine, first through Susan yep. Corey, and then many times through you, just great guy, fun guy, funny, personable. Uh, I mean, I'm speaking as hundreds of others have said this as well, of course. Yeah. What a great guy he was. You just felt great. You just wanted to be his friend and you were his friend. He and never he had a bad, yeah. bad word to say anybody. No. Never said anything negative. Everything was positive with Johnny. It was so, yeah. uh, that, that's why none of this makes sense to me because he was just so positive. Yeah. No, it's not, it's not. Yeah. Not but on a happy all. note, if he, on a happy yeah. note if, he could, if he had this in his hands right now and could see this, he'd be, he'd be beaming. He'd be over he the moon. And, and we had plans he... to do other, we had plans to record other stuff. And we're, yeah. he, John, John figured would say, well, maybe we'll become big folk stars now. We can tour around with two acoustics and, Play all the coffee houses. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have a duo name yet, right? It was just uh, Don and John, I guess, for lack of a better. Yeah, we were going to be Poncho and Lefty. <laughs> Poncho and Lefty. <laughs> I'm left-handed, so it would have worked. <laughs> 2.0, yeah. Now, remember, that night uh, in Burlington, John bought me uh, not just one beer, but two beers. So I yeah, I yeah. <laughs> beers. There you go. That's how generous well, I, I really appreciate you doing this so we can get, get John's uh, legacy yeah. back out there, too. 
it's important. Absolutely. Just to to um, talk about how great he is and was. And of course, yeah. the, the legacy uh, as a producer on tribute to a song poet, Songs of Eric Anderson. Um, quite amazing. Uh, whatever. Let's talk about other stuff, Don. We're going to get into what you're going to do aside from this particular project, but we'll get that in later. Let's talk about, to, to remind me what you used to tell stories about when you were listening, I think it was to WSM in Montreal where you were raised. No, it's, it was WWVA. Oh, that's really it. in West Virginia. Really West Virginia. That's it. It's, there was no country stations in Montreal. So wow. I had this little, I had this little crystal radio. And if I put the wire attached it to my radiator in my room <laughs> and stood on my left leg and held my hand over my head, I could, I could get it on Saturday and said, I would hear, I this, this music just spoke to me. I was listening to, to, uh, Buck Owens and Lefty Frizzell and all these really cool country artists, Merle Haggard, live from WWVA in Wheeling, West Virginia. I'd never heard a Southern accent until I heard uh, WWVA. <laughs> it was really cool. And that, that's how I got into country. Because everybody said to me, how would you get into country music in Montreal? Yeah. And it was, what was really weird and it's still weird to me is when, when all, most little boys grow up on, you know, wearing cowboy boots and cowboy shirts and stuff like that. But I never grew out of it. I still don't own a pair of shoes. All I have is boots. I got like 14 pairs of cowboy boots, and I've always I've always done that. I have no idea why. <laughs> no idea. But the country music really spoke to me. I love the story songs. I love the whole uh, – and it was very simple. Was, and I could play them. They were easy to play. Right, three chords and, and yeah. the truth. Yeah, three or four chords and, 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 and nice, really cool <laughs> stories. And, and I know one of your favorites, among others – is my dad's favorite. I was raised on country music. Um, Hank Williams. My dad oh, pretty yeah. much was played 90% Hank Williams. Then it was Johnny Cash and Hank Snow, but it was pretty much all Hank Williams that I grew up on from a, from a baby to, you know, on and on and on. And uh, so I got into other country music, more modern stuff back then, yeah. Alabama, so forth. But I always had Hank Williams playing and love him to this day. And I know you enjoy Hank as well. Well, Hank, Hank was the template for everybody when he started. Cause don't forget, Hank crossed over too. His uh, "Cheating Heart" was was a pop song. Was on the pop charts as well as the country charts. Right. Yeah, yeah. And it was actually covered by by uh, by pop artists. Incredible. Yeah. And, and so, the, yeah. Thing about Hank that not everyone knows, and when you're reminded about it, if or or if you didn't know, it's quite shocking that he died at the age of 29. And we know his catalog of songs. Not only were they very deep for somebody 29 and younger when he was writing them, but yeah. to have that many songs and that legacy. Oh. Uh, before I knew his age as a kid or a teenager, I probably would have thought he was into his fifties to have that much music out. Oh, and apparently he would just he would just like write them in in ten or fifteen minutes. Literally, he'd just sit down and write it. Amazing. He, he wrote Jambalaya when he was down. He was playing at the uh, that thing out of Shreveport, a Louisiana hayride. Oh yeah, yeah. So I he figured I need a Louisiana song, so he sat down and wrote Jambalaya. Like, <laughs> But it's funny because his first hit wasn't his, uh, Love Sick Blues, he didn't write. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it was one of his first hits, and I think it was his first hit, and he didn't write it. And I think the song that came out after he died, like shortly after he died, was I'll Never Get Out of This World Alive, which yeah, is that's ironic. That's right, that was his last, his last Ironic timing, yeah. 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 Fred Rhodes actually, Fred Rhodes actually uh, discovered him. The, the right. Acuff Rose Publishing, that was uh, yeah, yeah. Crazy Roy Acuff and, and uh, Fred Rose. <laughs> You've written songs uh, for years and years now, Don. 
I'm not going to give away your age, but years and years. We'll leave it at that. I'm 106. 106 years to be exact. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> did you have now this is a tough question i was trying to think of songs around or sorry questions around songs to ask but do you have a favorite one don that you've written whether it's a, because it's funny and you got write a lot of funny ones or because it's heart wrenching or heart moving my Touching. favorite was the last the last one i wrote <laughs> <laughs> always the last one right no I, I, it's funny I, it's it's a, it's a good question because some of them i like i like different ones for different reasons my dad's song was really important to me because it took me 35 years to write because I could never find the right words to say how what how I felt about my dad. I didn't want one of those flippant, uh, my old man song. I didn't want to punch in a shoulder, hey, pops kind of song. I want a song about how I felt about my, my dad. And every year on Father's Day, I would try. And I'd try for an hour or so and figure, okay, well, I tried at least. And then Father's Day 2017, I, I got this old... 1950 uh, Frank Gay guitar that just I love writing on it and I got a couple of lines I said well that's not too bad and I kept going and about an hour later I had this complete song so I recorded and I thought well that's better than I usually do and then everywhere I played it everybody was like crying and 20 year olds and 80 year olds they all sure. thought the same thing that's my dad yeah so I, said, well, I, I gotta record this so I recorded a version of it in Muscle Shoals in Alabama with some really good players on it and now I'm just actually in the process of Eddie Ringwald, uh, Pee Wee, from Western Swing. He's added uh, some harmony steel parts to it. I'm going to redo the vocal, and we're going to put it out probably in February. Oh, amazing. Yeah, so I'm really excited about that. Oh, that's, that's great. That yeah. is such, such a special song. Oh, yeah. That, so, I, yeah, I guess that would, that's probably one of my favorites. And then I, like, I, I was only half joking when I said, the, the last one because I just wrote one after John Dawson died that was called uh, I'll, I'll Carry On yeah and it's just uh, just the way I felt and then actually now you got me thinking I also like another one I just wrote called If I Can See One Face Before I Leave This Place I'd Want It To Be Yours yeah that's amazing so, you, yeah. you write really strong heartfelt songs and anybody who goes to your social media page your Facebook page uh well, well, you because you post a lot of videos of you singing these songs. You tell a little bit of story with them. And yeah, some great songs that you've written that are really inspiring. Well, thank the you. angel on my shoulder is another one, and actually, you yeah. at uh, John's uh, celebration. Yes, yes, yes. I really missed having him play there. That was, but I had his friend Mike Chesman with me. That was kind of cool. That was that was kind of nice. He was kind of like channeling Johnny that night too. And again, you mentioned your cancer battle. We'll just we'll touch on that. Yeah. You did a post the other day, Don, where you are, um, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you are cancer-free now. You are clear. Yes, yes, yes. It's, uh, all the tests came back negative. And um, I got real I got real lucky, I guess. I, 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 when I went for the, the uh, I went to my doctor. I said, I got this lump on my neck. And he said, well, let's get a biopsy. And I was sure, he said, it's probably just a swollen gland or some deal. So when the doctor called me and said it's cancer, I stopped listening. I didn't hear anything he said after that. Yeah. So he said, uh, you need to report to the, and as soon as he said the Odette Cancer Center, I went, man, that's for cancer patients. <laughs> I'm not going there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they, the doctor says to me, he said, uh, okay, he said, you need uh seven weeks of radiation treatment, intense radiation treatment. I went, okay, wow. what, what day? It's like a Wednesday or three. He said, no, 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 five days a week. 
and twice on twice on Thursday. So you do one, and then you wait six hours and go back and do another one. He said, "We got to really go after this thing." So shoot, it almost can. It's still I'm still not back to where exactly where I want to be, but I'm I'm cancer prescribed. So yeah, I went through seven weeks of that, and and uh, then the first gig I did after uh, after the treatments was uh, Western Swing Authority up in Muskoka with John and I went up to to the the Muskoka Foundry, and we played up there. And that felt so good to be back on stage. And then the block in Burlington was the one I did after that. Amazing. Yeah, the Western Swing Authority, we got to give a shout-out to them. You cannot do better oh. as a Western Swing group than oh. those fine folks. You know, every one, of, every one of those guys, in the old days, that would have been called a super group. Yes, yes. You know, they, 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 they give, like my, my, my buddy Norbert was his uh, area code 615, where they had all the... Uh, all the, the the session guys. That's what Western Swing is to me. They're, everyone is in, is is a is a Hall of Fame musician. I mean, oh. Every one of them. I mean Shane and and Eddie and Jimmy yep. Boudreaux on drums and uh, Chappie. I mean the whole band is just like killer. And nobody sings like. Uh, yeah. I'll tell you what. With Stacey Stacey Lee, Lee. When, when Stacey Lee sings a song, it's been sung. Yeah, exactly. You know Every I mean? note has been sung and rung, and oh, um, you can't uh, hear a better voice than Stacy Lee. When I heard her, you, I, you and I went to use her once and saw them. That's right. And when she did "Stand by Your Man," I was like, "Man, like that." The hair yeah. on the back of my neck was standing up. The power in that voice. Oh, was, oh just amazing, amazing band. Incredible, the WSA. Oh. Uh, oh, yeah. Love them. Um, also, we we heard the Hustler earlier on in the show, which is your contribution to uh, this. Uh, tribute to a song poet songs of eric anderson tell me a bit more about what the song means to you and then i can't remember if we covered the fact that that's the song i think we did that right eric explained why he wanted you to do that song no he didn't really explain he just said he just said that he didn't know he didn't know anybody else that could do it oh okay there we go i mean it's not it's nine verses dave nine verses think about it it's a long song it's it's kind of a stream of consciousness song that's what i liked about i just thought that the poetry in it was amazing yeah, very poetic. And I've heard some people say, "Well, what does it mean?" Well, if you take it line by line, oh, that's what happened. I was I was with Eric, and I said I quoted a line from it. I said, uh, "A surgeon's scalpel, sealing nurse. When you're the driver of the hearse, you'll feel bad, but they'll feel worse. And without you, what would the doctor be?" He looked at me. He said, "I think I wrote that." I said, "Yeah, you did." That's in the Hustler. He went, "Oh shoot!" He said, "I haven't thought about that song for a while." <laughs> that's what I told him that I used to do it. Wow. And, and I, I, you know, it's one of those things where you tell somebody, I didn't think he was even really listening. So I didn't think he'd ever bring it up again. But a year later, he said to me, uh, did you ever record it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's uh, what a full circle moment. We talked about it before, how yeah. this was the guy that inspired you. I mean, how many people have this happen in their life? Not, you know, it doesn't happen very often that the guy that you looked up to and, and led you to play guitar in the first place. Now you're yeah. friends and you're, you've got a song on, his 3D, his 3CD collection. It's incredible. <laughs> well, they, they say never meet your heroes because they'll disappoint you, but this that didn't disappoint me at all. This was a case where that was not the case. Uh, well, yeah, I've heard that expression too, but yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, yeah, it's awesome when it when it goes the opposite way and you're so happy that you've met your hero. Tell us a bit more about Eric. Just that maybe as a person or the time, some of the times you've had together. Well, he's just, he's just a really fun guy to be around and, uh, his wife Inga is just a gem. She's they're, they're, they live in Holland. Nice. And, uh, I forget they're not in Amsterdam, but outside of Amsterdam, but they. He's just a really uh, interesting 
it's hard to explain. When he got to the village, it wasn't just folk singers. It was, it was like the beatnik era almost. It was Jack Kerouac and Ginsburg and right. all those guys. So he, he's just a really intelligent. He's like a renaissance man when you talk to him. Right. Yeah, yeah. You, you feel like you're in the presence of somebody from with like in a, in a higher level of intelligence than you. <laughs> just a real like super guy. Yeah, I like that. I could I, I could see that in uh, the song Poet, the documentary, and that's also the same reason I I was always a big fan of Leonard Cohen because he's a yeah. he was a Renaissance man, and I just loved his Leonard's wit and uh, his lyrics. When I was in um, college, I guess it was for radio and television, they showed a documentary on Leonard Cohen. It was a black yeah. and white one. He was in Montreal. I don't I don't even think he was singing at that point. It was on his poetry, and I didn't know too much about him at that point, um, but I just. He, I, I was fascinated by him, and then I got into his music, and um, I just loved who he was as a person. He was very interesting to listen to his conversations. And his well, thoughts. I think he started writing songs because he couldn't make enough money from writing his books, so I figured if, <laughs> right. I, if I can sing them. And I remember in Montreal, everybody was singing this song called Suzanne. That was like, it was just a classic yeah. story, and the poetry in it was amazing. And that's that's the first song of his heard was Suzanne. And he heard Eric doing Violets of Dawn in, uh, I think it was one of those places on McDougal in New York. Might have been the Bitter End or something, or Gertie's. And that's that's what him and Eric met way back then. And he heard Eric's Violets of Dawn, which is a really poetic, beautiful song. And Mary Chapin and, Carpenter is doing yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mary Chapin actually did Violets of Dawn, I think, on this, on yeah. this collection. I love Mary Chapin's voice. Yeah, yeah. And Janice Ian's on it, too. It's amazing. I mean, like you said, there's 42 songs on here. There's a song that's done twice, so there's 41, 41 um, yeah. songs done 41 by. Titles. Yeah, 41 titles, 42 songs in total, and uh, the yeah the the eclectic um, array of artists on on it are incredible. As you mentioned, well, we got Linda Ronstadt on there. That alone is oh, yeah. a pretty big deal. Yeah, and then and, and the Dylan's version of Thirsty Boots has never been released before, this version of it. So this is it's going to be like a collect. Anybody that likes Dylan wants everything of his. This, this, this is the thing. Absolutely. You've interviewed a lot of people, Don, through Cashbox Canada. Yeah. Uh, and, and I know you told me before that you don't get starstruck, but I want to know, is there anybody you have not interviewed yet, Don, that because you, you're still doing these interviews and, and, and covering stuff, um, is there anybody on your list that you hope to interview that you haven't as of yet? Actually, no. <laughs> Most of the ones that I, I really <laughs> wanted to talk to Rodney. I really wanted to talk to Rodney Crowell because I find him, he's one of my favorite songwriters. I finally got to talk to him. He was really cool. Great. So that yeah. would have that would have been on the list, but I already did that. So not really. I mean, I, I and, and you know that they're all just people just like you and me. Like Jimmy Webb was was great to talk to. Uh, Diane Warren, I sat with her for about two hours and talked to a great songwriter. Too. I, oh. I really enjoyed talking to the songwriters. Yeah. And Diane has written uh, uh, I Don't Want to Miss a Thing oh, and God. How Do I Live. She's written her a country. Her first one was Rhythm of the Night, The Barge. Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah. there's there's a, an example of somebody who's not an artist herself, uh, but is strictly a songwriter, but with the biggest hits around. And Incredible. still hasn't, she still, to her, hasn't written her uh, career song yet. That's interesting. That's what she said, eh? And she gets up every morning. She goes in this, she has a little uh, room in her uh, place in, in California where she goes up there from eight to noon every day and just sits there with this little cheap piano, she said, and just, she just sits down and writes. <laughs> How do I live without you? I mean, come on, that's like, yeah. 
and she stays current. She always has something on some people we haven't heard of, but the, the, the current young artist, she's, uh, she's just a great songwriter. And I remember when How Do I Live Without You came out 25, 30 years ago, whenever it was, and yeah. lose track of time. But at that time, Leanne Rimes had a version and Trisha Yearwood had a version. I think Trisha's was the soundtrack to a movie, Concord. Because Leanne, they wouldn't, she wrote it for Leanne. But Leanne's okay. label wouldn't let them, wouldn't, could, they couldn't get the licensing for the movie. Okay. So they ended up get, getting uh, Trisha Yearwood's version. Got it. But she and actually wrote it for Leanne Rhymes to sing. Yeah. Wow. But That's both, yeah, both versions were climbing the charts. Trisha's climbed the yep. country charts. Leanne's climbed the pop charts. Uh, uh, just incredible. And then the, the Aerosmith, of course, with uh, I Don't Want to Miss a Thing. Yeah. Which you know, is totally not a not an Aerosmith kind of song. I don't know how she pulled that off. <laughs> well, you're right. It isn't. And what's interesting about that, a, a lesser known fact, perhaps because it wasn't a huge, huge hit, but Mark Chestnut recorded I Don't Want to Miss a Thing. Now, if you think of Mark's voice, you might not think, how the hell does he cover a yeah. Aerosmith song? But if you go and check out YouTube or Spotify, Mark Chestnut does an amazing job on I Don't Want to Miss a Thing. Wow. I it can be countrified. He's just, I love him. Too Cold at Home. Oh, yeah. Oh. That's what got me into him in the first place. Is, yeah, is it Too Cold at Home? And didn't and, he do, uh, didn't he do uh, that Dennis Lindy song, Bubba Shot the Jukebox? Bubba Shot the Jukebox last night. Yeah. There, oh. was, there, were, there was a song that nobody really knew his name, that he was uh, Dennis Lindy. That's right. I remember he, Dennis he, Lindy wrote, I think he, he wrote Bubba. He also wrote um, Burning Love for Elvis. Oh, wow. And he wrote uh, Goodbye Earl. <laughs> for the chicks yeah, yeah. For the chicks and he yeah. he laughed at that because nobody's ever going to record this this is this <laughs> <laughs> too nasty and uh, i guess the chicks were walking by and heard heard somebody play in the table and they said what is that <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i can see doing it. that yeah. that is definitely not the song that every uh female group or female artist no. would choose because of the subject so you'd have to have the chicks with their kind of attitude to to pull that off monster hit though monster oh yeah yeah, it's it's amazing. I, I similar to you, Don. I love the songwriters. I love the stories behind the songs. I always did, and I just love hearing and reading about uh, how the songs came about. It's always fascinating. It is, you know. And when you're a songwriter, so you know, you you get the idea when you hear how you, you don't feel as uh, as out of touch when you feel okay. Well, that's what happens to me. So now it's yeah. not just me that this happens to. Yeah, because totally. really, all songwriters are. We we, we just we learn how to observe and we take what we see and we turn it into songs. That's what it is. You, you hear, you overhear somebody yeah. say something uh, or say directly to you and you say that, you know, that's a title. That's a line. Exactly. I, I've also heard, and you probably agree with this sentiment, Don, I've heard a lot of writers say this, that a lot of times they don't feel that they even wrote it. The song wrote itself. Oh. It just They plucked it out of the air and then wrote it down. I wish I knew where it came from. I wish I knew. You'd go In back fact, my, my, my friend Norbert was be, uh, <laughs> had, was doing a record with Mac Davis. Okay. And Mac had a song, and this is right near, just before he died, actually, so it never did come out. And he played it for me, and it's a song called Daddy, Where Do Songs Come From? Oh, wow. And Mac's singing it to a, to, a, to a young kid, like, you know, Daddy, Where Do Songs Come From? And Mac in the song says, I spoke to my buddy Willie. And Willie says, I don't know. Because <laughs> you don't. They just, it's, yeah. it's like when your muse shows up. Yeah. When your muse shows up, I learned, I, I used to just say, I'll, I'll get it in the morning. And in the morning, you go and it's like, it's gone. It's gone. 
So now if something wakes me up at three o'clock in the morning and my muse says, Hey, I got one for you. I'd, I'd get up because otherwise it'll go down at Dave Woods and something and he'll get it. So <laughs> somebody else will get it. it it'll so, move yeah, it, yeah you have no idea where they come from. <laughs> and it's like a gift. Yeah. And and they, it like... sounds so cliche to say, well, it wrote itself. And it actually, like my dad's song, I, I don't talk like that. Like some folks call them special. I just called them dad. I don't, that's not something I would say normally. But that's it, great, it expressed the sentiment I wanted, I wanted to say. Yeah. And it came to you, and it came to yeah. you. You knew how to channel it, and then uh, and then get it out there. Uh, incredible, Don. What have you got? A, what What have you got in store for us? We got this great uh, your song, the Hustler, uh, Eric Anderson song, but your version of it on songs of the song poet tribute to a song poet, rather songs of Eric Anderson. Yep, that is amazing. Now, what is next for Don Graham? Well, I've got, like I said, I'm I'm redoing Dad, so I'm working on that right now, and then in February I'm going to Sweden to do uh, future echoes and I'll be uh, performing there. I'll also be on a panel for, I'm involved with something uh, called the drive foundation where it's mental health, which is so important mm -hmm. right now, especially in our business. Well, in any business, I shouldn't minimize the others, but in the music business, it's a really, um, uh, it's fragile. Jesse Winchester has a great song called uh, showman's life. And in it, he said, nobody told me about this part, which is, you know, everybody tells you about all the, the pretty girls and the wine and the money and everything. But then when it's all done and you're sitting in your hotel room by yourself in, uh, in Podunk, Iowa, and you go, <laughs> what am I going to do for the next three hours? So you end up drinking or, or smoking something to try and just get through the day yeah. and the night. So mental health is really important. And it's one thing to be physically fit, but we got to be mentally especially in this business because it's so this is not for the faint of heart not at all you can get discouraged you can oh. give up get lonely as you said you know after a show and 90 percent uh, of what not, and you know what here's the deal they it's doesn't it's not like okay in hockey if you score 50 goals you're a star in baseball if you hit 300 you're a star in music you're a star if somebody says you are it's all subjective Interesting. you know what i mean like you don't have to perform you don't have to have a track record of well, Don just did 15 great songs and it's like scoring 15 goals. Hey, we really like this song. And all of a sudden, he's a star. Right. He hasn't, he hasn't really done anything for that. He's just yeah, it's yeah. whatever the public wants at that time. And there's no other business I can think of where it works that way. You, you don't become a hockey star just by somebody saying, hey, Dave Woods <laughs> is a star. Dave Woods exactly. has to work his way up and score goals and blah, blah, blah. Same in baseball. But in music, Justin Bieber. YouTube. Wow, this kid's great. So next thing you know, uh, Justin Timberlake and Usher are fighting over him. Yeah, so I'm going to give him 30, 35. And all of a sudden, this kid's a star. And it can be hard to know what to do with stardom. Well, not yet. Not, yeah, exactly. No, that's, why he ended up, that's why he ended up peeing in water buckets and spitting on his fans. He, he's a kid. He didn't. He never worked no, his way yeah. up to anything. So uh, anyway, so yeah, so I'm going to Sweden and I'll be talking about that. I'll be performing um, at uh, at the festival, and then my friend Norbert Putnam, who produced uh, Margaritaville and played on 120 Elvis tracks, he's a good friend. He's coming over, and him and I are going to sit down and do a one-on-one -on -one where we're going to talk about Norbert's career and um, everything that he's done. And it, it'll be oh, it'll be awesome. really cool. And he'll take a little question and answers and yeah. talk to the people. So that's going to be fun. 
That sounds great, Doug. You've always got something on the go. Uh, and, and beyond the song on the Eric Anderson compilation, uh, our listeners, if they haven't already, can uh, head online and check out more of your songs, Don, into your social media page. And they can, order, they can order the CD right now. I know it's available on Amazon, the uh, the tribute to a song poet. If you just uh, go on Amazon and look up that. Oh, perfect. It's finally available in Canada. There's no digital version yet, but apparently there will be one. Okay. If you want to grab a copy, that would be cool. We want to encourage our listeners to do that. Check out uh, Don's other stuff. And of course, let's, uh, I want to give a shout out again uh, uh, to John Dawson, his family. Uh, We're thinking of you, John. Yeah. uh, You know what? We we already decided that if we did this and we did your show, we were going to do it together. Oh, that would have been amazing. That would have been so much fun. I would have loved that. Yeah. Thinking about John right now. I I got that great picture of, I just saw it today of you and me and him in Burlington. We took that. Oh yeah. Remember we weren't going to, we were all leaving. We said, you said, let's take one more selfie. Yeah. Let's do one more. And that was the last time we were all together. And I got another picture of when we all had lunch up here in the beach. Yep. That was a great day. That lunch was great. We had a great visit. Uh, Yeah. There'd been many more of those because it was always a great time. Well, we're going to oh. miss him, but I'll tell you what, yeah. we have him on disc and uh, yes. you can hear him play and you can hear him singing backgrounds on it and you can see his name all over the CD, which makes me, it, I'm, I'm happier for John than I am for me about this, to tell you the <laughs> truth. Yeah, amazing. Amazing, Don. Yeah. Don, always a pleasure to chat. I can't wait to see you in person. Uh, you too, Davey. For too long. Thanks so much. A big thank you to our listeners for tuning in and uh, all the best, Don. We'll chat again. Adios. Talk soon. Once again, I've been chatting with singer, songwriter, artist, Don Graham. I'm Dave Woods, keeping it country.